Hello and welcome back to the Statesman Sports Desk. I am Dalton Renshaw. I am here with Jason Walker. Jason, how's it going? It goes good. Well, you're doing well? Yes. That's um, not very not very specific. Like, is everything... Oh, well, I was sick last week. So, like, oh. as we recorded last week's podcast, I was starting to get sick. That's right. Yeah. And then I was really sick the next two days. Had another fever. It's the second time... It was the second time in January that I'd gotten sick. It was really annoying. What's your remedy? What's your go-to? Uh, chug orange juice and apple juice. <laughs> really? That's what, that's what you go for? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like it could be the same idea of the emergency approach, right? That's that's kind of what I usually go to. Uh, it's mostly because whenever I feel sick, I need tons of fluids. I want to drink tons of fluids. But water just doesn't, I don't know. It's usually because there's usually something going on with my throat. That's usually the main thing. Yeah. Is there something going on there? So water is just, you know, it's not painful. It's just I don't feel like drinking water. So I go, and for some reason, usually citrus type drinks, you know, orange juice and Apple juice. This last time I drank more apple juice than orange juice, but normally for most of my life, I just make orange juice mm. and chug it. And I drink, you know, a whole pitcher of it. Just partly because I need tons of fluids, partly because yeah. it felt kind of good. Yeah. It, it had some sort of, it's probably just mostly mental, but it oh, works. It, 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 yeah, it, it, it works, works, it works, it works. Exactly. So, I, I did it. And the fluids probably helped. I'll say this the first time I was sick, I think I chugged like an entire. I, I ended up drinking water right before, but I chugged like an entire water bottle of water, <laughs> went to bed, and my fever broke that night. So, wow, hey. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or was the fact that I slept like eight hours that night. So. That probably helps. That combination, probably helps. combination of both. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I just, so I just try and get as, as many fluids as possible and then obviously having something healthy to drink. Yeah. Because normally I don't treat my body very well. <laughs> I, I'll pamper myself a little when I'm sick just because, you know. Yeah, it's a little bit of the placebo effect, too. Like, well, this is the only thing that's going to work, so let's go healthy. Well, regardless, I'm glad you're back to full fitness because that means we're back here in the studio to do a podcast. And today we have kind of a special treat we're doing. um, Is it? Well, you know, (laughs) I guess this information, you know, as much as we do want to get it out, it's not, you know, the most positive at this point. But it is, you know, it's it's a change of pace in some in some ways. Um, we will be talking about Utah State women's sports today. This is going to be part one of kind of a two-part thing we're going to be doing this week. The second part, we'll be talking about the men's basketball team. Uh, but for today, we're going to kick things off with the women's basketball team and talk about their last couple of games. Um, they did get a win uh, about two weeks ago, and that was ending what was once a, um, I believe it was a six-game win uh, losing streak. Let me double-check that. But I think it was seven or eight. Seven or eight. Um, and then so they did get a win. That broke that streak, but unfortunately, they're back on a four-game skid right now. Um, today, as we record, playing UNLV and, and and losing that game as well, pretty pretty convincingly. So uh, I don't know. It's it's been ever since that Air Force win. It's kind of been back to back to what's been throughout the season. Which yeah, it was it was kind of one game because Air Force is down towards the bottom of the standings as well. So you'd see that as a game where they can get a win. Um, I think they've already played Air Force twice. Yeah, because they they mirror the men's game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- you know, they played Colorado State. That's the closest they've gotten to a win since then. It was they lost fifty six fifty five, but since then they've a lot of it's been defense because you know they they held opponents in the fifties for you know the the Air Force game and for Colorado State, but then they allowed sixty five to Wyoming, fifty nine to San Diego State, and sixty nine to UNLV. And you look at their their other losses. Their first loss to Air Force, they allowed sixty two, then sixty nine to Nevada, and 
65 to Boise State in that game just before they beat Air Force. So you can see a lot of it has to come from defense because offensively, they're they're okay in some areas. I don't know. They can get they can generally get to the 50s. They're very one dimensional though, which we'll talk yeah. about a little bit. But yeah. So they can get up to a certain level of consistency as far as points, but defensively, they're just allowing too many points, too many opportunities for the other teams. Um, so like, if you can't stop somebody, it doesn't matter how okay or even good your offense is, right. you're consistently going to lose. Because perhaps on the night where you do get hot, for instance, their first loss against San Diego State, they lost 66-62. That was a good offensive game for them. Mm-hmm. They got some good protection out of some of their players. But because they, again, couldn't stop anybody, they ended up losing still. And one thing that's been kind of, I guess, a burden to them is that they haven't been able to score from the outside basically all season. And they've been almost not as much, um, like, focused on scoring inside or, like, having an inability to score on the outside is they just solely want to score on the inside and really with one or two players. Um, there's There's been, you know... Games this season where Lindsay Jensen Baker has gone off for, you know, she had that 32-point game. She's had some games since then where she scored in the 20s as well. Um, but it seems like basically all season it's been Haley Bassett and it's been Haley Bassett inside. Yeah. Um, and something interesting, we had an article written uh, a couple of days ago in The Statesman by one of our writers, Joseph Crook, who uh, pointed something out that I thought was interesting. If the Aggies take 15 attempts from three, um, their scoring goes up by four points. Uh, per game, and they they usually take five attempts per game, so they're get, they're getting nowhere close to that level. Which is, it, I mean, when you don't have the shooting, because they really don't. If you go down the roster, they have they have players who can play to that level, but very much like the men's team, they're just not this season. So yeah, you know, what is the the approach when you're in that position where you can't score from the outside? Do you just keep trying to get points any way you can, or do you try to find a way to make it work? Well, it kind of depends on what approach you're taking. If you're taking a developmental approach, then you just say, you know what, just take them. And you lose a lot of games because mm-hmm. if you take shots and you aren't making them, you lose games. Um, if you're playing that we are going to try and win whatever way, then maybe you say, all right, well, what's working? Haley Bassett inside, Lindsey Jensen Baker generally from, you know, at the two or three levels outside and sometimes inside. Mm-hmm. Steph Gorman, three-pointers are generally a good bet and then Marlene's inside shots so you just kind of narrow everything down to where maybe Emmy Harris has been a decent three-point shooter in her career before this she's this season she's like 15 yeah. percent she's made six on the season yeah so <clears throat> when those things start working you just end up narrowing it down and that hamstrings the team for the future and to be honest for this season that's not a good thing because this season's already you're not making any tournament. You're right. Not, you're not doing anything. You're one in, uh, what were they, one in eight or something like that in conference play? Um, yeah, and and I think that's that's the way to that. One in 11. Sorry, it was worse than I thought it was. <laughs> you're being too kind, Jason. <laughs> well, I'd like, and that, that's what I was, I was going to bring that same point up of like, when, when you're looking at those two different ways, um, and you just want to win at all costs, I could see them going to Marlene Jen, and Lindsay and Haley and just trying to get points out of them consistently and, you know, not thinking about the youth as much, but they're not winning games. Yeah. So kind of what's the point? Like, I know you want to get, you know, the best result you can on every single on every single night, but 
at some point in the, in the season and maybe, you know, with a month left, maybe now is the time to look at, like, let's just start getting rotation in and try to you know, kind of cultivate these younger players that are on the roster. Yeah. This is kind of where you start trying to throw things at the wall because obviously you never want to just go fully into development versus fully into just leaning on the seniors. You know, oh, leaning on the seniors when you're a good team is often yeah. what you do because you you know you win games through your experienced players. But, yeah. you know, in this situation, you have to balance it because – you know, it's kind of a jerk move to just leave your seniors on the bench. And especially on this team where your seniors are actually your best players, so of course they're going to play anyway. Yeah. But then you also have to, you got to keep in mind your younger players because if they don't get any playing time and you're losing, you know, you have both of those, then mm-hmm. younger players end up transferring. I mean, just think of the Utah State women's program the last four or five years. You know, you have teams that just keep losing and losing, sometimes because they've had to go full development. Yeah. They're playing so many freshmen and sophomores, and if you just lean so hard into that development, well, then you lose. Because like I said, if you, you know, if you take shots, you try and get them as many shots as possible because they're young, but because they're young and inexperienced and untalented or un, underdeveloped, I should right. say, not, yeah. so un, un, not talented. Correct. Then you end up losing games because they can't produce yet, and then they transfer mm-hmm. because the team sucks. And that's just been the repeated cycle for Utah State. So it's an, ex- it's an extremely tricky position to be in because, you know, I think now with where the season is at, yeah, throw stuff at the wall, but it, it can be a tricky balance to lean full development versus yeah. lean full seniors because they both have their downsides, even if they both have um, potential upsides. And there's been a couple players that I've been glad to see um, get consistent minutes, even, you know, despite them not playing particularly well throughout the season. Obviously, one being Steph Gorman. She's still, you know, averaging 35 uh, minutes a game, uh, third on the team in scoring. So she's still getting her opportunities, which is good. She's a sophomore. She has, you know, the capabilities talent-wise, like you're saying, maybe just needs to be developed a little bit more, and she could probably be that next leader on the team. Um, and then the other player I would mention is uh, Taylor Franson, you know, her first year after coming back off of a redshirt. Um, she's played 23 games this season. She started 12 of them, and she's gotten pretty good minutes. She's still a little bit raw and, you know, uh, that isn't the most efficient with her minutes, but she does have those those games or those moments um, where she really does show that she could be, you know, a focal point of this lineup come, you know, come a couple years in the future. Yeah, they do have some nice pieces, and one that I, I don't know what's going on. I haven't looked into it. Lizzie Williamson, she's a yeah. mid-season addition. Right. Um, she's a freshman. She's six foot five, which is like the equivalent of like a seven foot two yeah. person in in men. She's basically at the Kuba Karwowski. Yeah. I know don't know a whole lot about her. I have I looked into it a little bit, but I can't remember what my research was. Yeah. Because it's almost impossible to find stuff on women's basketball players pre college. But obviously you have someone that tall, there's some potential. Deja Mason was never really a star on the team, but she was she's probably the best rim protector this team has ever yeah. seen. I think she holds season and career I believe she does, yeah. Uh, block block records. So so that value right there mm-hmm. was enormous for those teams that were decent for a couple of years. Yeah. You know, they made an uh, A tournament last yeah. year. What, what was the tournament? It was the... the uh, oh, I, can't, I wouldn't even be able to tell like, you off like, the top of my head. I keep thinking of the CBS acronym, but I think it was, yeah. like the college, I think it was CBI is what it was. Uh, like yeah, college no, I think you're right. I remember they played North Texas. That yeah, was... they, they won two or three games. They yeah. ended up being a 500 team. They yeah. were the... Of all the men's and women's basketball teams last year, Utah State's women's team was the last to play a game. <laughs> they lasted the longest. That's kind of out, out of everybody. That's kind um, of men's, women, Utah, BYU, and all that. <laughs> they were the last to play a game. That's cool. That's that's something to put on the resume, I guess. Yeah, it was it, it was kind of neat. 
but they're also not very good. Yeah. Well, moving on to a team that, you know, is is pretty good at the moment. Granted, they've played one uh, one match this season. Uh, the tennis team looks like they got off to a really good start. They had a 7 nothing win over Southern Utah uh, this past weekend. And Hannah Jones, uh, a senior, somebody who's been with the team a little while, she actually had a good enough performance to earn her the America First Credit Union Player of the Week for this past week for Utah State players. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about the tennis team, but I would say keep an eye on them. In years past, they've been a pretty decent team. And, you know, getting off to a 7 nothing start is always a good way to start the season. Tennis has always been one of the better programs at Utah State. Uh, men's tennis, uh, I'm actually a little worried about men's tennis. Um, they They're lost their, a bit of a slide, yeah. yeah. They lost their coach over the season, which was extremely fishy. Um, he's up and up quit. Um, I never managed to dig far enough to find out why. Yeah. But the women's team, obviously, you know, Southern Utah, this is a team that the men and women typically beat up on. Uh, Idaho State, similarly, they'll probably have a 7 one unless mm-hmm. Idaho State suddenly got better after the last two seasons. So you'll probably see um, the women uh, give Idaho State what's for on Friday. Mm. Um, then it'll begin again. I promise I don't know a whole lot about the tennis landscape as far as other teams. Right. They'll play UTEP, BYU, Northern Arizona. They're going to play a lot at home. So if you want to see the women you know, play some tennis, it's always fun, either men's or women's, mm-hmm. um, to go out and see them because they'll be in Logan all the way through mid-February. Um, then they'll go play Utah. I mean, you could you could still go down there and watch right. them if you're down in Salt Lake for whatever reason in late February. So then they won't go on the road until their first Mountain West game against Nevada and um, in mid March. So yeah, <laughs> and like like you're saying, get get a chance to go watch them early because this might be one of the teams um, for the women's side of the university that does pretty well this season. So um, yeah, that that's that's frustrating thing. When I say this wasn't a treat to talk about it, it yeah. had nothing to do with has nothing it, to do with with it being women's sports. Right. Because I've I've watched and enjoyed a lot of women's sports the last few years in my in my several roles. Yeah. Fortunately there's in a bit of a slump right now. But yeah, that's the problem. All of them are terrible. Yeah. For numerous reasons. I some of them is just program wise. Mm-hmm. The women's basketball program's not in the greatest place. Volleyball in the last two or three years hasn't been in the greatest place. Yeah. Even though historically they've been pretty good. Women's soccer, I think a lot of that had to do with injuries. Yeah, that definitely yeah. Uh, and the program's not the greatest, but again injuries really played into kind of how rough it's been for the last couple of years. It was it was really tough because I, I semi covered that beat. You know, I covered probably about half their games a season and um you know they just they kept trying things and they'd have they'd have matches where you know they were allowing one goal, maybe two goals. Yeah, see, so they yeah, see defensively they were good. They just could never score. And they just never really had all the players that they needed to on the pitch, yeah. which is unfortunate. But you know, end the season with a a win against the best team in the conference is always yeah. a good way to do things. And they didn't have some entertaining players. I forget her name, the midfielder. Yeah, uh, Ashley Cardozo. Yeah, Ashley Cardozo. She's, she's I, dynamic. Yeah, I love watching her. Like, I'm not really one to pick out players and really uh-huh. see them, how good they are, but she stood out. And I was really impressed with how good she was. And I believe she's only, she was only like a seven. Yeah, she's, she'll be a senior this, this next, next year. year. Yeah, I think she's a junior. Yeah, she's really good. So hopefully they can get one. They'll get one more good year out of her yeah. and maybe they'll put some pieces around her. And they had a lot of freshmen, too, on the on the team that contributed scoring-wise because they had, I think it was like 12 different players on the team that ended up scoring at least one goal. And I think their third leading scorer was a freshman. She had like three or four, had a handful of goals. But, um, you know, something that's really fun about Ashley, I love the way that 
watching her play because they kind of play her in this like false nine role where she she'll drift deep and kind of pick up the ball and progress play, but she'll also push forward a lot when they're on the counter. Yeah. And so like she's always involved in things and and like you say she she's not yeah. not necessarily a player that you or you know typically you don't always pick out one single player, but she definitely sticks out so much that you kind yeah. of like well, focus she, on her. because she's so involved and she's making so many good plays. I don't think she. From what I remember watching her, she wasn't really a scorer. She's not really any kind of... She takes a lot of shots. I think she took, like, uh, I want to say, like, the fourth or fifth most shots in the conference or something like that. Okay, maybe I was seeing her But she didn't didn't convert a lot, is the thing. Yeah, that that was the biggest thing, is she she wasn't able to finish many of those opportunities. I saw her mostly in a very distributing role. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where she's most comfortable. Yeah. She likes to get the ball, and she kind of either picks it up in the middle and drifts off to the wings, but she definitely likes to um, send crosses and sends balls into the, her players or her teammates to get other players involved. Yeah. But um, anyways, maybe that's <laughs> for next season. Yeah, this discussion for another time. Hopefully she'll be able to maybe make an all-conference team. Yeah. If I think she's good enough, you kind of have to be on a good team to really get a nod for an all-conference Yeah, team. I think she's definitely good enough. A couple of seasons ago when they had a little bit better of a record, she scored something like, I believe it was seven or eight goals her freshman season, and I believe she did make an all-conference team. So, yes, I'm going to look forward to next year, maybe some soccer action. But yeah. um, back to current uh, spring sports, we got um, gymnastics also. Um, not not playing the best as a team, but like you mentioned earlier before we started recording, um, gymnastics is, is also so much about the individual performances. Yeah. And right now they have a, a couple a couple people on the roster that are, are really tearing it up. Yeah, so, I mean, a couple of years ago, I think 2017-18, they kind of peaked a little bit because they've gone slightly down. Maybe this season they're picking it up because they, they went down a little bit in 2018-19. But 2017-18, they, they were setting some, I think they they were consistently, last bit of the season, they were consistently getting scores that were in, like, top 10 all-time for the program. Wow. And it was just really good, and they had some really good players, and they didn't really repeat that in in the next season. But again, like, in that 2017-18, they had a losing record, air quotes. Yeah. Which, again, like, you know, you mentioned it right at the uh, at the offset. Just, you don't really look at record for gymnastics. You look at the individual points. Like I said, in that year where they had a losing record, quote-unquote, <laughs> they were having one of the better seasons in the last decade. Mm-hmm. And they they this is the big bright spot right now for women's sports, this gymnastics team. I really love what they're doing as far as they're bringing in lots of talent, and they're really showing up. Even last year where I say they went down slightly, there were plenty of bright spots and they had a lot of good young players and exciting players and i'll tell you what they're having a meet this this friday right yep this friday and i'll tell you what those those meets are hooting hollow they're, they're so much fun uh, I, I went and covered one and i had a blast i think i ended up covering two and they're a lot of fun it's it's a lot of the ways uh it's similar to volleyball where I, the first time i showed up to cover it i wasn't quite sure to what to expect but, you know, 15, 20 months in, you kind of start to get a feel for what's going on. And then you're just hooked. You're, you're yeah. all in and you love watching all the different performances, especially with the different rotations that they go on. It's yeah. fun to kind of get like an offset break and then you move into the next event. Yeah, the thing is there's not too much of a break anyway. Like there's enough to kind of settle yourself so it's yeah. not constant. There's there's those up and downs that you kind of need when you're watching an event. Nothing like hockey, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hockey is a completely different animal. Hockey is huge. Yeah, you get a full 20 minutes in between yeah. periods. But, I mean, for a guy like me, I'm not exactly knowledgeable on gymnastics. No. But you mentioned, like, as you get in, you begin to kind of see it. And even by the end, or maybe in, when you've gone to your second or so meet, You'll see, you'll see them do the performance, and you'll know that's yeah. a good, really good routine. And you'll be super excited and really anticipating and just watching the judges for the, you know, however long it takes them. Sometimes yeah. the next routine's already started, and you're just watching the judge, like, what's the score? And then 
uh, you'll see the score come out, and it's it's really good. The added bonus is it's kind of a, a good primer to if you're an Olympic sports fan coming up into this next Olympic cycle this summer, kind of get a sense of what's going on with gymnastics. I know some people, you know, with as good as the gymnastics team's been the past couple of years in in USA, um, you know, just want to tune in to see USU do well, but not necessarily know gymnastics all that yeah. well. So you know, get yourself acclimated first, and then you know you'll be able to. Yeah, good taste. It's definitely not as good as U.S. gymnastics. You can, even most novice watchers will be able to tell the difference, but that's just kind of the way it is anyway. It's college yeah, versus it's college. the literal best of the best. You're right. going to get that. So I think it also should be mentioned, though, uh, about their schedule, because we kind of were picking it apart a second ago. Yeah, we didn't really. We mentioned it and didn't actually say what yeah. happened. So they, they're they one on one and six on the season right now, but all six of their losses have come to ranked opponents, um, which should definitely count for something because they're not losing by a ton. I know we kind of had the semantics argument a second ago about what does like a point loss or something like that mean. Yeah. But um, the, the fact of the matter is um, they're not b- losing by a ton and they're they're winning some of these events too. They're, they're, they're doing really well in a couple assets or facets of the game. Um, especially, I think we should probably talk about uh, the most notable one, Beam, right now is oh, yeah. kind of their bread and butter. I'll, I'll tell you what, Beam is probably my least favorite of all the events. I'm being <laughs> honest, I'm kind of disappointed that that's the one they're good at because I love the vault and the bars and the floor yeah. routine is probably the most fun of all of them, to be honest. Sure. But, yeah, they're, I think they're 15th in the nation is is the last post that Correct. I, I followed off the the Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit difficult to try to find the the rankings. Anybody out there that might know I'm, how to find gymnastics rankings? I'm sure they're there. It's probably if you. Well, I could find it. the I could find the NCAA like team rankings, but it was I was having a hard time finding the individual ones. But maybe that's yeah, that's the tricky part. So yeah, they're they're 15th in the nation in beam, and then that's largely because of two players in particular, mm-hmm. uh, Sophie Sullivan and Autumn DeHarde. Uh, Harde, I believe, is a senior or something. I, I believe I, so. Yeah. I, a junior or a senior. I've seen her name a lot over the last few years, and I've, I've watched her a few times again a year or so ago. I don't, I don't recognize Sophie. I don't. Sophie's a freshman. Yes, yeah, so and I, that would explain it. Cause yeah, right. This year. <laughs> but what's what's great about Sophie and like, I mean, she's obviously ranks number twelve in the nation right now in, in the beam. Um, as a freshman, she just comes in, kills it. Um, a, a couple meets ago against Air Force, she set the uh, the the single score or not the single score, the um, combined record score uh, for program history in Utah State. Um, she had a, a perfect score ten in her first attempt, and then had like a nine point nine something. Yeah, she. In the I, think, I think. I think. I don't know. I know she had a perfect ten, but I think it was one of the judges gave her a ten. She had a, a combined score of ten, or I think. Did she? I'll be honest, I, I'm kind of picking up how scoring goes, so I could definitely be wrong on this. Yeah, but I, I was just looking back at the box, and she had a, a 10 listed in her first attempt, so I don't, I'm not sure what that okay. means. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure exactly how it works. Because, again, I'm rusty on my gymnastics, yeah. how it works. I haven't been to a meet yet this year. Um, the way I read it was I think one of the judges gave her a 10, and she ended up with that round of score. That was, I see. Ended up, but, again, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there. Please right. not put, set that in stone. I could be wrong. I'm sorry, Sophie. If you did get a perfect 10, that is absolutely spectacular. Regardless, she's killing it. Even if one or two did one of out of the two or three judges right. gave it, that's spectacular. Yeah. But So, yeah, obviously her coming as a freshman, that's some of that young talent they're bringing in. And DeHarte, you know, was that young talent, now is the veteran who's been good her whole career. Mm. Yeah, so you have 12 and 13. Autumn is uh, 13th, Sophie being 12. And then those two rank first and second, respectively, mm-hmm. in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference. I, I forget the 
how yeah. the official name was, but it's something to that Mountain Rim effect. Yeah, it's not the Mountain it West because it includes teams like Boise State, BYU's in the conference, yep. um, uh, Southern Utah is in the conference, mm-hmm. and uh, I think there's only four or five teams. Yeah, it's a small conference. Yeah, so, um, it's like Air Force. They played Air Force. They're not in the conference. Yeah, typically a conference foe, but <laughs> yeah. in this case. So they, they, who Utah State beat Air Force by like three mm-hmm. points, which is a blowout. Yeah, exactly. So um, so now I guess we should probably move on to uh, softball. Um, the one one of the sports that hasn't actually started up yet, but um, will be opening this weekend. They have a tournament in, in, in Fullerton. Softball is one of those funny ones. I think we briefly touched it, I touched on it at the end of our last podcast where it's like um, – you know the, the way the weather's set up here in the great state of Utah. Yeah, it's really hard to play softball for a little while. They need to get an indoor place. You know, that's actually something that's I, I thought about too. And you know, they have the the lob center where they practice, and I wonder what the you know feasibility of playing an actual is it, game is in it there. natural grass or is it turf? No, it's turf. And, and they, I don't know. Then if I, I I wouldn't play there then because you you can't play softball on turf. Yeah, I mean they do it in some places, but you, I don't you can know. Practice if it's a, on it. You can do it, but when you play in a game, it just I actually don't know if that's a like a, a collegiate. I'm sure you can or not, but you it's just, definitely not ideal. You just shouldn't. It's right. like playing soccer on turf. You can, but you just shouldn't. Yeah. No. I I think I think I would probably agree as well. Um. But so so that means since they're not going to be playing here in Utah for a little while, they basically spend the first month month and a half of the season on the road. They're playing four different tournament meet style things. Yeah, in California. Yep. Uh, and so, so it, it takes you to... Well, um, then we play another one in Arizona. Yeah. And so that, that it takes you to basically the end of March is the first time um, U- Utah State will get into conference play. And by the end of the March, uh, the 27th, it's a Friday. Book it on your calendars. Uh, I'll the, tell you what, the odds of that game being canceled or postponed are pretty dang good. No, they really are. Yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what point in the season it was last season, but... Um, one of the games got snowed uh, basically the the whole the whole day so they played they played a friday got snow saturday had to postpone that one and then push back the the sunday match by about two and a half hours cuz yeah, of accumulation it's just i can't tell you how many times cuz i follow the softball account i usually try and follow the games i, I generally enjoy the softball um, <laughs> watching it or following it but just how many times i saw oh the game has been postponed yeah. see i looking at a you know they went to st george all of them were Pretty much all of them were canceled. I think one of them was postponed. Yeah. No, the one was postponed, then canceled. And then you get into conference play. There's one that was postponed, canceled, postponed and canceled. That's the problem. They get postponed. Like, we're going to play. And then it's like, nah. Yeah. It's just kind of tough to fit that thing back uh, in. Like BYU, they canceled that. So actually, it looks like they made it through most of conference play pretty well. It was just that BYU game and then UNLV, they postponed and canceled it. So. Yeah. So... This weekend, they'll be in uh, Fullerton, California. They have five games. Um, they kind of do a, a two-a-day kind of format with softball. And so you have two on Friday, two Saturday, and then they'll finish up on Sunday with a game against UC Riverside. Um, I know in years past, uh, Cal State Fullerton, <sighs> Cal State Fullerton's been a, a really solid team. I don't know exactly what they're coming in in the rankings this season, but I generally, towards towards the end of the season, I kind of get more into softball and I'll follow the, you know, pref- before the, the World Series gets going. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, my knowledge isn't super up on this current season right now. Yeah, that's the thing. I can. Gen- I have an idea for how good Utah State usually is in most of their sports. It's outside of football and basketball. I have no barometers for, like, yeah. like what programs are good in tennis or softball or soccer or anything. It's just, like, I know, I know generally in-state. Yeah. So. 
So what is interesting, though, I'm just noticing about the softball schedule um, is the, the first couple tournaments they go on, um, they're not playing necessarily like the, the heavy hitters of, of the world, whereas last season they played uh, in their second tournament, they played the number four team in the nation being Florida and the number 14 team in the nation being Arizona State. Um, and I almost wonder if that's it could be a, a strategic approach to kind of get a little bit more winning under your belt before you enter conference play to maybe kind of you know cultivate a little bit more of a winning mentality as you go into that. Because uh, they, they did win a, a few games uh, in non-conference last season, but you know, just didn't translate enough into a conference and they ended up having a kind of a down season, but. Well, they won 17 games last year. 11 of those were non-conference. They went right. six and 17 right. in conference play, which, I mean, you mentioned this before, I guess I'm not very aware of this, but you said that the Mountain West pretty good software. Is that soccer? Yeah, no, I mean, in both respects, in, but yeah, definitely the softball, um, they have San Jose State's one of the best teams. Uh, I don't know if you could say in the nation, but they're hovering around that 25 it's range. It's weird to say San Jose State. Being good. It is so <laughs> weird. Yeah, I was following them last season because I did cover the softball beat and, um, you know, getting fresh off the basketball beat. You're like, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> Every time I'm seeing San Jose State with a W next to them, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, but, it doesn't. Um, they, no, San Jose State really seems like a force to be reckoned with this season in softball. They have um, the pitcher of the year last season. Uh, she was a freshman. She actually comes from kind of my neck of the woods in California. Um, but she, she she pitched lights out. I mean, a, a freshman winning the uh, pitcher of the year. So that she's one of the focal points of the team. They also had the co-defensive player of the year uh, in the conference too. So, and, and the funny thing is they weren't even one of the two teams that made the NCAA tournament. It was uh, Colorado State and Boise State too. So you have, you know, maybe a trifecta of teams that can compete for, you know, one of the best spots in the nation. Yeah, so that right there ends up being like nine losses. You, yeah. play, you played the three-game <laughs> series. So that's probably, that's probably what it was last season. The only one, I think, Utah State won, I think, one series. I did the counting before. I think it was either one or two series. Yeah, yeah they won two series. They played a three-game series. They beat San Diego State and I forgot the other one. I'm wanting to say it's UNLV. I'm I'm, I'm scrolling right. No, now. it wasn't UNLV because <laughs> they they only they only played them twice. They couldn't have won that series. They also didn't lose it. Yeah, it was. It was I can't remember who it was. Was it Colorado State? They won San Diego State to finish the season. And then there was one earlier in the season. I feel like they they won. They won New Mexico. New Mexico. Okay. Um, they actually gave, uh, got a run rule victory last last game of the series. Nothing. That's the funny thing about softball. It's one of the, one of those sports you forget that it kind of has its own set of rules, and you're like, eight nothing, fifth inning. All right, let's shut it down. Well, We're out of here. It's because some of these sports you just end up with such a huge right uh, gap that it's like there's no point, especially when you're playing maybe two two or three games in one or two days. Yeah. If you're getting murdered in one game, it's like all right, let's. We're done here. Wait. And then you and then you'll beat him in the next game. Right, right. It's like what the heck's going on? Well, yeah, that's the funny thing. Just looking at this New Mexico series, I mean, they win the first game seven six, lose the next one three six, and then win the next one eight zero. Like, it really is a game to game basis a lot yeah. of times in softball. I also was going to make a snarky remark when you were uh, talking about the the run roll thing, wanting to shut things down. I was going to ask maybe what Eastern Oregon had to say about that when they were playing the men's basketball game this season. If that might be something they want to implement. <laughs> it's hard to do in basketball. Yeah. At least no, they it's... just don't like. I don't know of any league in, as far as basketball, where they have some sort yeah, of mercy I... rule. They have a kind of mercy rule in football. It's mostly just letting the clock run. Right. But it's in self-imposed. Ba- yeah. But in, in baseball and softball, they have a specific blowout rule in most um, formats up until like the pros and yeah. maybe men's college baseball. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't That's know a good one. See, I don't know. I'm just it, – it's entirely possible. But, yeah, like up until the pros, you're basically playing run rule. Right. Until, yeah. Because, there, again, there can be such a huge gap between talent and then sometimes you just don't have it one game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like you're saying, playing a three-game series, sometimes it's just best to save, your, save what you got for the next game. Yeah. Um, and also, just because of pitching. Yeah. It can be a waste of pitching to throw a pitcher out there for another three innings. Right. To – I mean, even when you're losing 8-0 and you don't wind up losing 15-0 and mm-hmm. wasting three pitchers. Well, and that I, that really legitimately could be a strategy because, you know, with having such a small pitching staff in softball, usually most rosters carry three to four pitchers on the roster. Yeah, I think Utah State's only ever had three pitchers mm-hmm. the last few years. So, like, I mean, like, yeah, what's the point in throwing somebody out yeah. there when it's 7 nothing in the fifth inning or whatever when you can save them to maybe start the next game? Which a lot of the times they still end up doing just because um, it, you pitch so frequently in softball. Yeah, and also just I think with softball, the pitch is a lot lighter on it is on women than in baseball it's a much more natural motion that Correct. has a lot less wear and tear versus baseball where it's your shoulder it's your elbow and your wrist there's so many things that can go wrong with the men's pitching format form with and whereas with women it's like obviously a lot of shoulder a little bit of wrist there at the end but right not a whole lot of wear and tear on them there was actually conversations around the time where um Tommy John was really getting prevalent and it wasn't quite to the level where it is now where it's like, it's almost, you know, teams are imposing Tommy John on their players. Yeah, it's just like, so you it's like you're not a real pitcher with. until you've had Tommy John. Right, exactly. You have earned your stripes, your badges. Um, but there, there was legitimate conversation when, you know, this is probably the, the early part of the last decade where um, people were like, should we just switch to softball pitching? Like, is that... That would be weird, but it would be a lot better for some of right. young men who are being forced to pitch year-round and get Tommy John's age 13. And and that's a whole another conversation we can have of, like, club baseball changing the way that, you know, pitchers come into the college and pro ranks because, you know, it was for the longest time where it wasn't even until you were, you know, 13, 14, kind of getting into your high school years that most coaches would even allow you to throw anything off speed. It was like fastball, maybe they'll throw a changeup, but that was it because they didn't want to waste your arm. But now you have kids that are, you know, eight, nine years old throwing curve slider or whatever, the whole repertoire. There's a whole conversation you definitely have about the the problems that are caused through youth sports and the prevalence of going younger and younger. Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned in most sports, you wouldn't really be super involved until like right before and into high school. Right. But now everyone wants to have be a practically fully developed player by yeah. high school, and that's a lot of wear and tear for a yeah. young child. I, I was never the best pitcher at all, but I remember I, I wasn't even till like I was fifteen till I even started to learn how to throw off speed pitches. Now, if I was on if I was a high schooler now, like I wouldn't even make a roster. Like, yeah. coming in without a curveball, like what are you doing? Yeah, it's insane. But yeah, that's that's a maybe an interesting topic for another day of just what club sports has done to. Uh, youth sports in, in the United States in, in, in general. Yeah. But, yeah, well, I guess getting back to softball, you mentioned pitching. That's probably their biggest weakness is their pitching. It was last year. Yeah, they had 100%. Some really, they had some really good players, especially hitting-wise. They have, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce her name properly, Lexi or Roscoe? Roscoe, yeah. I don't think I ever actually tried to say her name out loud. Until just now. <laughs> um, she set the home run record for the program as a, as freshman. a freshman. Like, it's insane. And uh, so obviously she's coming back this year. Uh, she, she hit 13 home runs, which, I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot, but you don't understand how rare a home run is in softball. Yeah. And, and even even in college, like college and high school, they're, they're pretty rare. It, it seems like it might they're, be. They're probably more common in, in college baseball. Um, it, it's, it's a 
about even. They're a little bit more common in college baseball, but it's almost about even where uh, like the really, really powerhouse teams in college will have um, they'll have players who will hit, you know, 20 to 30 a year, yeah. um, occasionally even more, which is, I mean, that's outstanding. That's, yeah. that's not normal. Yeah. But you think if, you know, in, in major league baseball, it's like, if there's not a home run in a game, you're disappointed. Right. And it's like, so you think 13 in a, what was it? 47 game season. It was really good. And yeah. also, you know, it's not the greatest program, but again, you set the home run record as a freaking freshman right. on a not very good team. So, well, and the thing and, is, and in a tough conference too. Right. Correct. I mean, yeah, going up against that, that kind of, well, going up against that kind of pitching, um, you know, is always something to be, and I'm trying to think back to, uh, some of the recaps I wrote last season, a lot of those home runs weren't like necessarily just garbage time home runs either. They were coming off some of the best opposition in the conference. Yeah. Um, and to just speak a little bit more on Lex, Lexi, because she, she had a walk off, didn't she? Um, yeah. Uh, maybe was it, was more than one. Yeah, she had a walk off grand slam yeah, in one I of remember, the games. I remember seeing that. It was, yeah, that was um, crazy. I, I kind of want to feel like it was that in the Mexico game, but I could be wrong. Um, but she was she was an overall um, all around great player last season. She started all forty six games she appeared in, um, hit three thirty six for the season, which led the team and also finished third in conference. Um, and you know, like you're saying, as a freshman, also a shortstop, which has always been one of the you know premier positions yeah. on either a baseball or a yeah. softball diamond. And she was the first she was the first team all conference, wasn't she? Yep. As a freshman. As a freshman. In the Mountain West. She was, she was the only Aggie to appear on any of the all-conference teams, and she made first team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely crazy. Lots of potential there. Yeah. Hopefully they can – hope she hasn't peaked already. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would I would assume that it can only get better from here. Um, I mean, you never know, though. But uh, another couple players that they're, they're going to be getting back that were pretty vital the last season's um, – I was almost going to say success, but minor successes. <laughs> yeah, they, had, they had some success. They weren't a bad, right. like, horrible team. No. Um, but you have you have uh, two players in Ryan Holmes and Riley Plogger who both played a, a key role in getting things going for the for the Aggies last season. And Plogger was, if I'm remembering correctly, was uh, either the leadoff hitter or one of the first batters in the lineup. But she was definitely that that kind of player that gets contact and tries to get things going. Um, she hit 296 last season. Also played in the outfield. Um, and then Ryan Holmes she didn't appear she didn't appear in as many games as some of the other players. She started 30, appeared in 40, um, but she. Uh, was uh looks like fourth on the team and RBIs seem to always come up with a clutch hit when you needed one. So yeah. well, you mentioned Plogger. I mean a couple years back I you know I was just at the tail end kind of heading into my second year with the Statesman. Um I got to cover the team that went to the regionals. Uh, and that was one of the best teams they've ever had about two years ago. And Plogger was on the team. I think she was a sophomore at the time. Mm. Um, she was she was a contributor on that. That team actually had a lot of really some of the program's best hitters were like clustered into that <laughs> one team. Again, it's it's why they were one of the best teams right. in program history. But Plogger was one of those good hitters. She was really the only one to return out of that group, uh, and so I mean, she's gonna be a senior this year. So uh, obviously a a leader in more ways than one. Obviously yeah. on the field in in certain ways. Uh, yeah. So she's certainly an offensive source, and then uh, just being an outfielder, you know. Yeah. That's her role. That's, I guess that's kind of where you end up throwing the big hitters. Go play in the outfield. Yeah. It's usually, you know, the, the real, the, the power hitters usually end up on first or third. And then you have the yeah. more dynamic players usually end up in the outfield. Um, 
but yeah, ca- catch them, catch them anytime you can. Like I said, they're they're not going to be back to Logan for uh, quite a while, but they'll be playing, you know, constantly starting here this next week. They weekend. usually get video, I think. So if you want to watch they them, they'll they'll be there. And one of the best, um, I would say, social media accounts as far as video is the softball. So if you're following them on on Twitter, they usually post video updates and stuff like that throughout the game. So. Also, just updates in general. I will say the one thing that always got me is they never post the score. Almost like I've been going through <laughs> Twitter feed, like all right. You know, three up, three down, what's the score? Yeah. Next inning, you know, I yeah. happen to see it. You know, two hits, didn't quite get anybody there. What's the score? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know I mentioned on Twitter once, I think I even added them. I think like the next game I mentioned the score a little bit That's more funny. often. <laughs> I, think, um, I think I know the lady who runs it. Oh, really? I, isn't it the SID who runs that account? Um, I'm not 100% <coughs> sure. I'm not 100% um, sure either. I, I want to say it is, but. If it is, then I know, or if not, then I probably yeah. don't know the, the person who runs the account. But, all right, I think that's uh, that about does it for this episode. That was your Utah State women's review as of now. Yeah, you got your spring and winter kind of sports as well with basketball. Yeah. So not a ton of bright spots in what's already happened, but definitely some hope You know, through gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, softball, I think, has a little bit of hope. They'll, they might need a little more work on this program to get back to sure close to where they were a couple of years ago sure but definitely some good stuff. and then tennis obviously they're usually good if not great and i mean uh as as much as the basketball team has struggled uh, throughout the season um w- with the mountain west tournament there is always the chance that you know they could progress in that so at least you know seeing what will happen will be fun and interesting to see what goes on because last yeah. season they ended up winning their first game and ended up running into kind of a bud saw with wyoming and they yeah. ended up making it a championship game but well, i'll tell you even for how the scoreboard usually ends up with women's basketball i'm usually entertained when i watch their yeah, games 100 uh, i find a lot of enjoyment in watching them play but maybe that's just because i like basketball yeah. so. <laughs> could be all right i think that does it for for us this week um as always you can follow me on uh, twitter at dren underscore sports you can follow jason at the jaywalk 67 um, you can follow the Statesman at Utah State or US, yeah, no, Utah Statesman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Statesman Sports as well is kind of the native podcast uh, Twitter for us. Um, yeah. Thanks, guys. Enjoy some women's sports. Go out there and watch them. Yeah, Maybe we'll see you in an event. A lot of good stuff. Take care. Goodbye. Enjoy your weeks. Okay. Live it up. <laughs>